Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. Hello and welcome back to the 19th tee, another dose of golf without the jacket and tie. Something a little different this week, not too much tournament golf around the globe. So we're going to tackle a few, I suppose, blue sky thinking issues. Drew's and I are going to take a look at what we'd like to see in 2020 in the world of golf, uh, not only I suppose, on the big stage, but also in our own games as well. And speaking of the man, we welcome in the Sultan of Slice, Mr. High and Right himself, Dreadstar. What's <laughs> happening? Oh, going well, mate. Uh, just working on that slice and it seems to be paying dividends for me. I had a pretty good round on, uh, on Friday morning just before golf, so uh, before work rather. Um, so the, the slice is coming along. The, the nickname might not snick, stick for too much longer for, with any luck. Yeah, no, I could be, I could be hard up on content if you if you manage to pull those drives straight. Yeah, that's exactly right. Or you <laughs> so just I'm a one, one trick pony on the jokes at the moment with uh, <laughs> Mister Mister High and Ride himself at the start there. So, look, you know, for your own gain, I hope you you find some consistency. But the same <laughs> yeah, with the program, I hope it's a little way away just yet. So, as we said, Dreads, not not too much happening in the world of no, that's right. Golf at a tournament level this week. We will cover a few things off uh, in yeah. the news section before we get into our uh, our blue sky thinking discussion a little later on but as we start each and every uh every show mate tell us our uh, our special guest of the week what can are we hopping into this week yeah we've gone very left field uh this week it was uh back in my court uh two selections in a row for me so we've landed with blaster brewing uh, a great little company here in wa doing fantastic things it is called the cat's whiskers it is a strawberries and cream american pale ale it is 4.7 percent um, you're probably only going to have one because it's a very sweet beer. It's full of vanilla flavors um, and it's very creamy from all reports. 1.4 standard drinks. So we might give this a crack. All right. The cat's um, whiskers blaster brewing. Here we go. It says hello summer on the back. Yeah, that's, uh, that's dessert in a can there, Dreads. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's really nice. Um, you're probably only going to have one of them, though. I wouldn't yeah. imagine you're going to be oh, getting stuck into a wrong. session. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, refreshing, but I'm glad I'd had my, my main before yeah. I hopped into that one there tonight. That's, uh, that's correct. It's that's, that's nice and sweet. Good for the sweet tooth beer drinkers out there, no Absolutely. doubt. Absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll sip away on that throughout the show as we get stuck into not a hell of a lot of news happening around the golf world this week, KM. Of course, the Alfred Dunhill, that was the uh, probably the only tournament that was really um, on the big tours. So... Let's begin there, Howie. Yeah, Pablo Larofable, another fantastic Spanish name to wrap the tongue around, wins by one shot, Drudes. He was three shots up going into the, the last round, the, the journeyman Spaniard, and what an incredible last round. He spoke post-tournament of considering withdrawing before even teeing off due to a debilitating blister, of all things. He couldn't get the golf shoe on. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. And he said that he channeled his inner tiger. That's to say, if tiger can win a major on one leg, 
then I can get up and at least compete and give myself a chance in this final round of the Alfred Dunhill. Wasn't looking great, Dreadstar. Uh, six bogeys and a double in the first 13 holes. <laughs> that is so, us-like. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, he could he could be a guest host on the, on the 19th tee with that effort. So his three-shot lead going into the final round was blown within uh, within those first 13 holes. But he turned it around uh, in, in, in the last couple. And as I said, really dug deep. I mean, we, we make a lot of a blister, but uh, to, to not be able to put your shoe on, to not be able to walk to the cart, he was going patches of the course shoeless mm. in order to get through this round. So a pretty remarkable effort and good to see Pablo Larathabal get the win at the Alfred Dunhill. But, but did you see the story. Did you see the photo at the end? Yeah, the, the front trophy. Up the trophy. Yeah, <laughs> well, that was a bit weird. <laughs> like pink. I get it, you've got a blister, but I don't yeah. need to see your bloody foot on the trophy. Are we going to disinfect that uh, prior to handing it to next year's Alfred Dunhill champion, please? Yeah, it was uh, a little bit sure. gross, wasn't it? And had the uh, the almost like the the, the pink looking rock tape covering over the the blisters there. So yeah, pay to play rock tape. tape. Foot. Uh, pay to play rock tape. Yeah, um, um, yeah, but I had to do a double take on that though because like it was it's like red and I I thought it was blood at first. I was like, if that's blood, that is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> For starters, that's yeah. that's Christ. <laughs> And also, if it's blood, what's the Europeans who are doing? Oh, you know what? This is great content. Let's get this on, this on our Instagram. This they is what they want to see. They do some pretty left field stuff. The Europeans, from a content yeah. perspective, but that would yeah. be uh, that would that would be a new dawn, I think. Outstanding effort from Pablo, though. Uh, I think oh. that, as I said, you know, we, we do we do laugh, we do make light of uh, a, a little blister, but by all reports, it was certainly not that. It was more akin to a crater in his foot. Yeah. Uh, no. And you know to push through that, and I actually found it quite interesting that people would say he's being overdramatic, but that he drew the parallels with Tiger, mm. and that that in and of itself was enough motivation to push him through to compete. I I would suggest that given given he held a three shot fifty four hole lead and still was strongly considering withdrawing, I would say with with a, a fair amount of confidence that he gave himself no chance of winning when he yeah. teed off. That he thought it would be a an achievement just to get through the 18 holes. So, and but how's, how's the turnaround after, oh, after 13 absolutely. holes? Six, six, bogeys, six bogeys, and bogeys and a double. double. Like that's enough to derail any, any uh, round on or any feet. tournament. And then just to, to, yeah, just come good on the, on the last five and, and walk away with a one shot win. Pretty handy. Absolutely, Drew. So congratulations to Pablo Larathabal, our Alfred Dunhill champion from the week just gone. Speaking of champions, Drew, and speaking of journeymen who yeah. have punched through for a win, Josh Younger, the 34-year-old, wins his maiden title at the New South Wales Open over the weekend. Yeah, wasn't this a, wasn't this a great little event? Um, two-hole playoff against Travis Smythe. Uh, and then Josh Younger just... Yeah, just pulled it out of the bag. Uh, played really well all weekend. Obviously, uh, Justin Warren was there thereabouts. He was tied for the lead on uh, on the last hole, actually. Uh, and then his approach shot found the water. That 18th, um, I was watching the live stream. That 18th was a bit of a bastard of a hole. It kind of just ran back into the water. So, obviously, um, Justin Warren... Uh, uh, a friend of the pod, we'll call him. Uh, we're hoping we're actually going to have him on the podcast later this week. Um, he walked around with myself and, and Lucas Michelle and Daniel Gale at the uh, at the WA Open and, and we've kept in contact ever since. So we were, we were cheering for Wazza, but uh, it wasn't to be. And uh, Josh Younger, well, 
held his nerve on the second hole of a, of a playoff and, and poor Travis Smythe missed out. But um, I thought it was a good little event, the, the, the New South Wales Open. 400000 up for grabs. It was a good, good purse on offer as well. Absolutely, Drews. And got a, got a finish worthy of the event as well because obviously we had uh, Josh Younger and Travis Smythe go through the playoff. But you mentioned our man was it Justin Warren them all the way, as did Minwoo Lee, who yes. has been finding some form in the last two weeks on the Australasian tour. So uh, a, a name that we are familiar with in golfing circles, a player that's been incredibly successful at a junior level, uh, you know, narrowly, narrowly missed out on his European tour card a few weeks ago, did Minwoo Lee by a matter of strokes. So as did he, Justin Warren. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there seems to be a few players streets coming back from that, um, back from that qualifying series. Obviously we know Jake McLeod got through after six rounds in Spain our man Mav Ancliffe has qualified via his um, topping the order of merit in the China tour. But there's a couple of Aussies who who literally missed out by uh, one or two strokes yep. from gaining a European tour card and, and seemingly have come back uh, far from far from letting that dent their confidence, come back with a little bit of wind in their sails with a point to prove, I suppose, mm. over the summer. And I think that whilst we will get, uh, we'll get wrapped up in the big names that are travelling to our shores for these events in the next few weeks, uh, it, it would be important not to lose sight of those uh, homegrown players who are coming in with a bit of some real handy player these last few tournaments and players like Justin Warren and, and Min Lee, I think will, will definitely feature in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And, and I'm probably really looking forward to having a chat to Wazza about how hard it is because I think, you know, we all just think that players play for when they're younger and then they... Uh, go go to college over in the states and once they finish college they turn pro and end up on the pga tour and and it's quite the opposite so looking forward to getting a bit of insight from from wazza as well that one will be out a little later this week um how well, about you only have to i mean sorry truths but you only have to look at 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 the winner of the new south wales open josh younger to know yeah. that that is not the case for 95 percent of guys who who make golf their their career i mean he's 34 years of age he's broken through for his maiden title on the Australasian tour. Well, he's been playing for ten years, I think. Absolutely, and and that you know that is a that that personifies, I think, the experience of the great many golfers who turn pro. You know, the likes of the Aussies who go through and play consistently on the PGA Tour. That's the exception. That's not the norm. Uh, and and to see guys like Josh Younger who have, you know, grinded away for over a decade, rewarded with a, with a gutsy win. You know, I think it's fantastic, and I always like to see those stories emerge at the very beginning of our summer because it's the type of guys that you can really get behind and ride that story across the next five or six weeks in tournaments. So congratulations to Josh Younger, a very worthy winner of the New South Wales Open. Quick special mention to Andrew Dodd. How's a 61? Course record, if you don't mind. Absolutely filthy. uh, In fairness, I probably wasn't watching this any closer than... um, the Instagram stories. And there's some fantastic content out of... Yeah, didn't they do a great job? Oh, combination of Golf New South Wales, uh, PGA Tour of Australasia. There's a couple of accounts who are doing some outstanding work on the stories across the weekend. But to to follow the progress of that 61, as you say, uh, new course record and shot him into the lead uh, earlier in the tournament, it was it was phenomenal. He just he the 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 cup seemed to be the size of a watermelon that he was putting into because he just wasn't missing them. Like they, from from miles out, short putts, 
left, right, you know, breaking either way, down slope, up the hill. It didn't matter to Andrew Dodd. He was just as soon as he was, as he was on the green, you, you strike it up for a birdie. I think he had 11 in the round of 61. Yeah, so loose. Um, unbelievable effort. And obviously didn't figure in the, in the business end when the whips were cracking there at, on Sunday afternoon. But, geez, it was an entertaining round of golf earlier in the tournament. Yeah. I mean, poor Andrew really only had the one round. <laughs> he, yeah. he was one over in the final round. I think he was even in the, in the third round, but no, New South Wales open really good event. Credit to credit to obviously golf Australia, the Australasian tour, New South Wales, golf, New South Wales. They did a bloody good job. I thought it was well done. And a really good preview for, for what's to come. We will get to the, yes, uh, the, the, open. Open little, uh, the little later in, in the pod, but it's a, I think it's a great, uh, great doormat to what's going to be a fantastic week. Uh, up in up in Sydney, so looking forward to having a chat about that very shortly. That it is. How about the Buck Club, KM? Yeah, this is what, interesting. What a story! For just, yeah. just for the benefit of our listeners who might not be familiar with the Buck Club, before we get on to what uh, has come come out this week, why don't you give us a bit of background on the on the history of the Buck Club? Yeah, so so the Buck Club is Zach Blair. Obviously, he plays on the PGA Tour. It's his vision for what's missing in in golf in the state of Utah in America. He's got a, probably, but probably more broadly. I mean, that's where he lives, and that's his home, correct. home home state, and that's where he's decided to base the Buck Club. But I think it speaks to, uh, I suppose, a macro issue of what he thinks is missing in golf in general. Yeah, agree, agree. And he's pulled together. Well, it was probably not him. It's probably um, uh, someone who's very good with websites. Has pulled together an incredible website outlining how this course is going to play. So. I'm assuming that this is in, in Zach's grand plans that this course is going to get built um, and it breaks down every single hole, every part of the hole. Um, if you're a golf architecture nerd, go and read this. It's absolutely magnificent. Yeah. I mean, I think it's for, for, for Zach Blair, who if the listeners aren't familiar with him, he's not, he's not one of the biggest names on the PGA tour, but probably amongst the most popular players, not only in his peer group, but in, in terms of fans of the game, certainly in the media, he gives a sensational interview. He absolutely loves the intricacies of what makes a great golf course. And this, uh, this project in his own words is probably inspired mainly by the old course at St. Andrews, but also some of his, favorite courses around America from an architecture perspective, whether it's routing, whether it's, uh, you know, the, the ability to, to shape a hole, it's his kind of brainchild for the perfect golf course. And, mm. and his, 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 Drew's, his passion for the game. I was listening to an interview with him just the other day. It's infectious. You can mm. hear it in his voice and he's got a wonderful, uh, I suppose, vision for the way he thinks golf should be played. And it's very much connected to the way it used to be played. And I think, uh, as you say, it's it's kind of in the seed funding stage. He's out there looking for contributors to, to make this a reality, but he's got it this far. And if his passion alone is enough, uh, this could turn into one of the great courses in the States. I like, in reading it, it is lengthy because it goes into a lot of detail, but I like how he talks around the greens and not just having the green and then a little runoff and then into rough because... I like the fact that because what that does, if you have long rough around a green, is it rewards in a in a way a missed a missed green approach, Absolutely. if that makes sense. So I like the fact that it's shorter grass, which means if you miss it, your ball is going to run into grass 
in the in the longer grass further away from from the green and i like that i i just get the sense that there's a lot of courses these days where it's just if you miss the green uh you're going to run off a little bit and you're going to end in a bit of short well short to medium grass and that's what we call rough and then we have the the second cut a little bit later a little bit further back but these guys are that good that they're not really missing into the long rough around greens that often. I thought it was really interesting and a really, just a, a good take on, uh, on, on how, you know, potentially golf courses can be made a little bit more challenging. Yeah, absolutely. And if you, if you're not, if you're not following uh, the buck club or Zach Blair on, on any social media yeah. platforms, but in particular on Instagram, I'd highly recommend Good. doing so. The way that he thinks, about courses and how they're put together and the fact that he's given himself a blank canvas in the buck club is really exciting so definitely jump on to follow him and the buck club on on instagram and if you've got as you say a spare half an hour up your, up your sleeve treats because it, it, it is a lengthy not, read yeah have a look at the course plan that's just been released on the buck club's website this week because it's a, it's a great read and just as a side note zach blair you were talking about how passionate he is Back in 2016, I don't know if you remember this, but he was disqualified for hitting himself in the head with with a putter, and then he continued to he continued to use it, and he was DQ'd for using a non-conforming club. How good's that? Yeah, he's he's a real quirky cat, Drew. He is. He's a different bloke. He he takes a set of hickory clubs to most places he plays in the states, and he has a an ongoing hickory challenge where he you know he tries to get around a course. Uh, you know, in a certain number yeah, cool. with, like with old school clubs, and yeah, he's he's just cool, man. I, I got a lot of respect for the way that he thinks about the game and his and his passion for it. And I, I, uh, it is a dream to uh, hopefully one day when it comes to fruition, play uh, absolutely the club amongst many other courses that are on the the to do list in America. Well, you mentioned he's a, an odd bloke, and he did go to um, Brigham Young University. No, no, and taking nothing away from our Mormon friends who might be listening out there. Um, yeah, Brigham Young University. Go and do some reading if you don't know what BYU is all about. We'll push on to DJ and the Hero World Challenge, shall we? Um, DJ, this knee, got to admit, I'm a little bit worried about the President's Cup. Interesting, Drew. Obviously, he's withdrawn now from the the Hero, which is uh, you know it's a small field invitational event, basically yeah. for the benefit of Tiger Woods's foundation. Not that there's anything wrong with that, uh, but you know he's um. You're not exactly missing out uh, on, a, on a tournament with any great consequence. He, uh, he does say that it is to give him the best possible chance to play his best golf at the President's Cup. So you have to take him at his word. But yeah, I mean, this really was shaping up as the final hit out for so many players involved in the tournament uh, mm. yeah, at Royal Melbourne. I mean, you, you don't doubt his ability to show up and play. He's a class player, one of the very best in the world. But to do so cold, particularly with a knee injury, you know, to, to come in cold with a joint injury. I don't, I, I think he plays. I'm not sure we're going to see the very best Dustin Johnson at Royal Melbourne as a result. Yeah. See, I, I, I almost think that he's going to withdraw. I reckon it's going to hurt the President's Cup because we've had Brooks Kepka, Jason Day, you know, and potentially DJ out. I think that hurts. The, the, it hurts the, 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 the event and the, you know, you, we want to have the world's best players here and, and to have two, you know, you've got the world number one and what's J-Day world number seven or something, potentially DJ pulling out. Um, I think it hurts. But look, at the end of the day, I, I think what this decision will um, provide is really good clarity on where the President's Cup stands in 
in um, in players' minds, particularly the American players' minds. Because mm. if he plays, it means that, uh, to me, that means that it means a great deal. Then if he pulls out, it's kind of just like, oh, I'll, I'll miss the President's Cup, but I'll be right for the major season when we when we turn the corner and come into the new year, if that makes sense. But I don't oh, know. Oh, no, absolutely. He, he's a tough one to read, though. I think he, he plays his cards very close to his chest. And I, you know, I say this with no other backing than a gut feel. He strikes me as a bit of a patriot, Dritz. I mm. think he really enjoys playing for the US. I think he, you can see that he gets like the most emotion I've ever seen out of DJ is playing in a Ryder Cup. So yeah. I think that, and I the Ryder Cup means more to them, but I think that playing for America, whether it's in the Ryder Cup or another team event or the President's Cup, I think that's important to them. So look, I, I back him in. I think he will play. Um, should he not, it'll be interesting to see his replacement. It certainly yeah. won't be the, the, his replacement at the Hero World Challenge, which is Chez Reedy. It's coming in from... So. Sorry, Chez. Wow. Incredibly, incredibly left of field. And mm. the greatest respect to Chez probably won't uh, walk into the President's Cup team. Well, we're on the President's Cup. Obviously, uh, Jason Day withdrawing. Uh, Benny Arn's in. So I suppose we got a, a tip right. Really, we did. We, we did get <laughs> it giving right. it to ourselves, <laughs> and and dare I say it at the risk of sounding sacrilegious to Australian golf, it's probably a better result for the international team. I, I mean, I love J Day, but the uh, the unreliability of his health and fitness, mm-hmm. um, the unreliability of his form, and you compare that to Benny Arn, who, who had a successful uh, summer down under last year, and also has been in a in a pretty good patch on the PGA. There were two reasons why we had him in our picks for the international team. And and thirdly, and most importantly, I think Ben Arn in the team will bring the best out in Song Jae Im. Uh, yeah. So for all those reasons... still take Jado though, at 100%. Yeah, I mean, for, for all those reasons, I personally think that they're, that they're slightly better off, but it, it's incredibly disappointing. Mm. And, you know... It's disappointing for Aussie fans. Oh, absolutely. Well, not just for the President's Cup, but the fact he's now withdrawn out of the Aussie Open mm, this time. week, yeah. which was obviously going to serve as his lead-in tournament. But it hurts as well because obviously Scotty came out and said, you know, we don't want anyone cheering for the USA team. Well, it's, like, I'd be more inclined to cheer for Jason Day playing against Dustin Johnson than I would Benny Arn playing against DJ. Personally, yeah, uh, I don't know that's a bit of a shit take, but <laughs> but look, I, it's difficult, Drew. It's because I mean, it, it just what this does is it gives uh, oxygen to uh, the increasing number of people who want to call into question Jason Day's commitment specifically to golf in Australia. Mm. So there's always been a little bit of a question about uh, his, uh, I suppose, his durability when it comes to injuries. But there have been loud, loud noises when it comes to his commitment to coming back and playing events in Australia. And we, we've spoken about it on the podcast before. It's obviously the summers have coincided in the last five to six years with um, the birth of a number of his children. So you, you don't... Um, you don't begrudge him of that, but, and we'll always probably, I suppose, be accused of being apologists for Jay Day. But th- this one's, this one's tough to swallow. This yeah, close um, to not just withdraw from the President's Cup, but to pull yourself out of the Australian Open. 
Uh, I, I mean, I, obviously, we don't know the severity of how bad it is. No. And for the benefit of, of those people who might not have caught up with the exact details of the story, it apparently is a flare-up of a, of a nebulous back injury, which occurred this week in training. Mm. So he was in Florida, um, you know, doing some last-minute preparation before flying out to Australia and flared up the back injury. And at the, at the recommendation of his, of his team and specifically medical staff, he was told that rest is what he needs and that playing in two tournaments in back-to-back weeks would, would be the worst thing having flared up the back injury. So I, you have to take him in his word, Drew, because if you don't, if your suggestion is otherwise that he has intentionally waited this long to pull out. I don't think so. And never intended on playing then you're calling into question far more than the durability of his body. Correct. So Absolutely I, correct. I, I, you have to take him at his word. And I'm sure that Jason is as disappointed as anybody else. Yeah. But it's not a, it's, it's just, it's a tough one to swallow because it's so close. Yeah. I agree. And uh, so disappointing because we were all, we were all so excited to see him play back here this summer. Yeah. And even though he was a captain's pick, he, he was, he almost, I don't know, in a way, headed up the team. Like I know, you know, still got Mark Leishman there, and that, and he's absolutely, in my mind, heading up the the team from a, I suppose, from an Australian perspective, anyway. But yeah, J Day just just brings that, I don't know, that that's something else. And I think, and I think you're right. I think it's the timing of it that you kind of like, oh shit, like it would have been really good to just to be able to obviously have him at the Aussie Open. Like I think that hurts. The, the the Aussie Open, um, it just from a stature perspective, they've still got some great names playing. But I think, um, yeah, Jason Day just would have would have really just added something something quite special. I reckon. No doubt about it. And I, look, I, I think that what it will do is I think you'll see not that he wasn't going to already, but I think you'll see Adam Scott step up a lot more. Yeah, uh, I think that he, uh, you know, he's he's a typically pretty conservative individual, Scotty to come out firmly and overtly on the front foot and call on fans not mm. to cheer for the Americans. That's pretty out of character and shows me that he's, he's pumped up for this mm. or, or at least that he's been given a bit of a prod by Ernie to whip up a little bit of home support mm. and take a bit more of a leadership role and a bit of a, bit of a front foot stance, this international team. So I actually in, in a, in a funny way, think that it might, it might bring a better performance out of Adam Scott the extra responsibility, um, you know, born from the having no uh, Jason Day now. So be interesting to see how he reacts. But, uh, you know, I, I think that it's a bit of a, it, it's a bit of a bitter blow for the, for the international team so close to the tournament. But I think there's a few players in there who may well respond favorably, ironically, to, to the withdrawal of Jason Day. And it could, could push him to a better performance, but only time will tell, Drews. That's exactly right. We'll uh, we'll push on from from the Presidents Cup. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll give that plenty of love in uh, the coming episodes, as we have been doing ever since we started started this podcast about two Do months ago. Do love a Presidents Cup chat? Absolutely, don't we ever? Uh, let's have a look at how the Aussies went around the world. Uh, of course, we kicked things off at the Alfred Dunhill, where it was only uh, Jake McLeod going around. He missed the cut at four over. Onto the Japan Tour at the Casio World Open, and Anthony Quayle. Uh, at 17 under, finished outright third. He was uh, three shots behind. So a pretty good performance from Anthony there. Then at the Open de España on the ladies at European Tour, Sarah Kemp uh, at six under, finished T10. Uh, that was won by 
and Van Dam at 13 under. And then our, our good friend Whitney Hillier finished at four under at T13. So um, some good rounds from her. Obviously, she'll be disappointed with a, uh, a 74 in the opening round, but, but rallied to, uh, to finish off quite nicely um, in, in the final three rounds. So a little bit up and down for the Aussies this week, um, as, as it always is. But um, I'm sure we'll be back in action um, pretty soon with all the big tournaments that are happening around the world. Uh, and that's going to happen Obviously, this week with the, the Hero World Challenge, KM, with no DJ, as we mentioned, uh, and then our mate, Big John, Big Rambo. And a million dollars up for grabs, Stridge. No FedEx Cup points. But for many players, as we said, the final hit out before the President's Cup. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how this one plays out. You would think on recent form, uh, very difficult to, to, to pick against John Rahm. Yeah. Yeah, correct. I mean, look, knows the course, plays it well, defending champ. I mean... It's hard to to really, um, I don't know, put a gauge on what this this event really is. I'm obviously it's a benefit for the Tiger Woods Foundation, but it's hard to to sort of get a gauge on on um, I suppose how much is how much sort of priority are we putting on this apart from having one sort of final hit out before President's Cup for many of them, like you said. So I don't know, be interesting. I reckon Rambo. Hopefully, he goes back to back. It'd be nice. I've got big tabs on on the big man. Don't we, Drews? Don't we? We love him, uh, Johnny Rahm, here at the 19th tee. Another, another event this week, the Mauritius Open. But the big one, Drews, on our home shores, it's the Australian Open. Now, we've spoken about the withdrawal of Jason Day and, and, and what damage that does to the tournament. But you put that aside, and this is incredibly exciting. At the Australian Golf Course, uh, I've got a mate who is a big fan of the 19th tee, uh, our good mate Ryan, who's tipped us into a few things in the first few months of the 19th tee. He's actually uh, volunteering as part of the, the greenskeeping oh, staff at, uh, at the Aussie Open this week. And a couple of photos that I've seen of how good the Australian golf course is looking at the beginning of the week. You know, we're recording the pot on Monday. A few photos I've seen from him today, three days out from the tournament. Obviously, there's a few things to happen, including pro-ams, et cetera, in the next few days. Some huge names coming out, as we've spoken about. Defending champion, the Mexican Abraham Anser. Also, Adam Scott, Paul Casey, Louis Oosthuizen, Mark Leishman, Sergio Garcia, the Big Easy, Ernie Els, uh, Cameron Smith, another Aussie in the field. So, really excited for this weekend. Yeah, it should be great. There's um, some, yeah, really good young Aussies going around as well, obviously. You know, Lucas Herbert and, and Minwoo Lee, obviously, probably headlining. headlining. Uh, Lucas Michelle, our mate, going around as well. Jack Wilson, Justin Warren, Daniel Gale, Mav Antcliffe. Uh, and Jack Trent actually comes back um, from the States. So they'll be on uh, college break over there from UNLV. He obviously played um, He played out there. Uh, I think it was, what was the tournament out there? I think it was the Shriners. Um, and he would have played. He played out there and played with Adam Scott, so that'll be a um, that'll be great to have Jack back in the country for the Aussie Open. Yes, Drew, and and didn't he go well yeah. on his little PGA Tour debut? He was he was phenomenal that week, Jack Trent. So it'd be nice to see him go around in front of a home crowd, and I'm sure he'll be keen to come back and put on a good show and kind of really stamp himself as one of those next big things in Australian golf. So looking forward to keeping an eye on Jack and seeing how he goes. Now, Drew, that probably rounds us out for. Uh, what has happened and what is happening in in the week ahead. So we flagged at the very top of the program a, a desire to spend a little bit of time on some some blue sky thinking, some I suppose some 
2020 vision, if you like to call it that, not just for the game of golf, but uh, at at a sort of a macro high level, but also for our own game. So what we thought we'd do is run through each of us five, five things we'd like to see happen in golf. It doesn't matter at what level, whether it's the PGA Tour right down to a participation level here in Australia. Five things we'd like to see happen in golf in 2020. And then set ourselves a goal that we're going to hold there accountable to because we're going to put it out there in the big bad world uh, on the podcast set ourselves a goal a golfing goal for 2020 we've pre-prepared we've shared uh, our visions for next year with each other and uh, unsurprisingly we do i think the first um, most aptly because it's arguably the thing we'd like to see most and that is an australian winning a major yeah correct don't care who it is as long as they're Australian and I don't care what major it is, as long as they're Australian. Um, obviously it's been a, a fair while between drinks uh, since this has happened. And I mean, it's, it's hard to tell which, which of the Aussies would is probably best placed uh, at, at the moment to, to, to have a crack at a major. I mean, obviously Scotty's won at Augusta before, but I mean, Mark Leishman isn't necessarily knocking the door down for and putting amazing results up on on the uh, on the, on the scorecard. And and Jay Day, we know his injuries are you know debilitating him to to a certain extent. Obviously, having pulled out of of, of the Presidents Cup as we spoke about. So yeah, I'm not really sure who it is. Maybe it's Cam Smith. Maybe it's one of the young guns that are that are coming through the ranks. Yeah, it's interesting, Drews. I think that I mean, obviously, in terms of 2019 we only had one and that was uh an lpga major hannah green of course Mm. getting across the line in the states uh she is still there and thereabouts does she threaten again for 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 the women's does does players like minji lee or suo who've also been in some great touch at the back end of 219 do they push through for for a major on on the lpga but in terms of men's I, i think really that our best chance may well be Mark Leishman at, at the Open Championship. I think it's a lofty goal, Drudes, if I'm honest, to see a major uh, taken by an Australian next year, but one that we'll hold on to anyway. Correct. Now, Drudes, the second one that we share in common, uh, I must admit I, I find a little humorous because this is a man who I've uh, unashamedly been pumping up since our very first episode of the 19th T, uh, as recently as including him in my captain's picks for the US team, for which you absolutely howled me down, but it seems as though you, uh, like I, would like to see Jordan Spieth back in 2020. Yeah, absolutely I would. And, and I never said I don't like the guy. I just said he didn't deserve a President's Cup spot because he's not playing good golf, which is why he's on this list and I want to see him return. And I want to see him return by playing consistent golf and consistently finishing inside the top 20 at tournaments and, and big tournaments. And whether he returns and wins a major, it's not really what I'm, what I'm about. If he wins a major, awesome. That would be fantastic because the, the guy is such a cool bloke. He's, he's really relatable for, for younger guys like you and I. Um, and, and the game's better when Jordan Spieth is up and, and firing. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Um, so I want to see him return in a big way. Um, I just said that he didn't deserve a, a captain's pick at the, at the President's <laughs> Cup. That's all I said. And, and yeah, I how did you? I mean, I may so have, I'll, 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 take, I'll take that. I may have taken that a touch personally, and it's only because he's, he's, he's uh, far and away my favourite player. And I think, look, he, he putted the lights out last year, uh, led all the, the, the significant putting stats that just happened to be that he was woeful from tee to green. Mm. 
And that's something he's obviously been working on. He's, he's been breaking down his swing with his coach, much like Tiger did in, in the early parts of his career after uh, enjoying some initial success. But I think the problem with Jordan is he came along and strung a few majors together at a time when the, the golf world was screaming out for the next Tiger. And, and that was thrust upon him, which is completely unfair because you're talking about the greatest player that's ever picked up a club and you're trying to ask someone to be the next that person. Mm. Jordan Spieth, uh, you know, if he becomes the best Jordan Spieth, he can probably won't uh, match or eclipse what Tiger has achieved in the game. But he is at his best, Drew. It's a phenomenal player. And golf, no doubt, is better when Jordan Spieth is competing in the big tournaments. And I think why I want to see him back, and as you say, it may not necessarily be winning a major. I don't think that's a realistic goal for him in 2020. But at least if he's back competing, I genuinely believe he's the only player at his best who can go toe-to-toe with Brooks Kepka. Brooks seems to have this ability to, to flick a switch and compete at, at majors. If he really decides that he wants to win one, seemingly he can do so in the last two years. And for as much as we try and pump up the rivalry with Rory, for whatever reason, when they look you know, into each other's eyes, Rory seems to wilt. Brooks mm-hmm. seems to have the edge no matter what. And I think maybe, and it's only gut instinct, and maybe it is my, my, my love for him as a player and as a, as a person shining through, but I genuinely believe that Jordan back to his best can go toe-to-toe with Brooks. And if nothing else, that contest alone would be great for the game. Yeah, well, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that it can go toe-to-toe. He just needs to sort out all these issues but from the tee to the to, to the green, because once he gets on the green, there's there's no one better on the PGA Tour than Jordan Spieth at putting. That's exactly right. It's statistically proven. So, um, look, yeah, number two, I think that's a uh, a worthy uh, a worthy uh, inclusion on our list of things to see in golf in in 2020. But now we start to go different. We've had our two that were the same, and, and we didn't plan that actually. So that was surprising. Um, but here we go, off to off off uh, separately now. So what's your third one? Number three for me, Drudes, and this is something we've been touching on uh, in pieces uh, across the episodes, but something uh, that we first mentioned way back uh, in one of the earliest episodes of our first guest, Tony Wiebeck, the senior golf writer with Australian Golf Digest, and that was the lack of depth in Australian golf, that we have a great top tier, both on the men's and the women's, but that second tier of player coming through is not where we would like it to be. And in 2020, I would like to see uh, a significant jump from that tier of player on both sides, in both the men's and in the women's. I'd like to see our next generation take a significant step forward uh, on whatever tour they're playing, whether that is uh, the PGA tour for a handful, the European tour um, for, for more of them in the ladies, whether it's the, LPGA, the Symmetra Tour on the Ladies European Tour. I just want to see Australians, you know, at the pointy end of tournaments on a more consistent basis because I think we've got such great talent coming through. They just need to now start putting the runs on the board. Yeah, I think it's a really good point because like we do it every week when we go through the, the, the list of players playing around the world and every week I say, oh, it's been another up and down week for, for Aussie golfers. But there's no one that's consistently consistently pushing for the, the 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 top the top marks if that makes sense i think it's a yeah i don't know i, I don't know what the solution is to it though no look i i think it's time and i mean i think that we we lose track of how young these players are and obviously the peak uh in the women's tour skews younger 
than it does for men. But for a lot of our um, male players coming through in their early to mid twenties, they won't see their peak into their late twenties, early thirties in many respects because they haven't. Not all of them have the had had the opportunity to go and play college golf in America, so they they they're playing catch up in terms of you know playing against and cutting their teeth against the best players in the world. And, you know, playing against those players and playing in those tournaments on a more regular basis will bring better performances out of them. So we do need to exercise a bit of patience. But I think in 2020, it's the time for that wave, that wave of talent that's next generation to really make a, a significant leap, Drew. And I'd love to see that. Yeah, I think that's a good, I think that's a good goal. Number three for you. Number three for me is uh, I want to see players mic'd up. I think... This is just the world that we live in now of sport. You need to give access to people. And I don't think that golf does this very well. Um, I know that obviously um, a lot of these broadcast deals are very historic uh, and we don't get a lot of content out of, um, you know, different golf channels. Um, You know, really it's only the PGA Tour that's kind of driving it on social media. But I want to see players mic'd up in 2020. Um, and it doesn't have to be every player that's mic'd up. Um, I would, you know, even just a handful per, per round, I think would be great. Um, and I, I'm not sure why we haven't got to that yet because, um, I mean, we, they did it on the skins tournament only a matter of weeks ago. So I don't know why we're not doing it on the PGA tour because it's the sort of access that people want and i think it's the sort of access that you need to give people these days you know sport fans aren't aren't just just there to watch a golf tournament they want to see everything about it um so players marked up is number three for mine yeah no i think it's a great one drews to be honest because unfortunately where we're at at the moment is because it happens so infrequently when it does it almost feels contrived it feels staged uh, and we aren't because it's almost it's not happening often enough for it to be candid and natural. So we're trying to create content by marking up players. It felt like that at the skins game. It felt like that at the match between Phil and Tiger. It didn't feel like natural conversations, and it's because it's such a novel concept. Whereas in other sports, it's just part and parcel of what goes into a rights deal. So every time we get a semi-natural occurrence of this, and more often than not, it's listening into conversations between players in their caddy. And that interaction is what brings out some fantastic content. If we had, as you said, two or three players per round, per tournament, and that just became normal, you know, part and parcel of a broadcast, I think that, that what it would offer, the insight that it would offer, I, I think maybe as a, as a broadcast product, it takes golf to another level. So, I mean, I, I think it should be, just part of the everyday in golf and for whatever reason it hasn't been, but it needs to be, I think a bit of bit of leadership from the PGA tour to just say, look, this is happening. Like it or lump it, you sign up as a player. And this is one of the conditions of taking your card each year. You will be mocked up at some point across the season. Deal with it because it's what the fans want. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to see, I don't want, I don't want Rory to be mocked up every week because it gets boring. You know, I want to see the, you know, the, the lesser known players mocked up and, and it might only be, you know, a conversation between them and a caddy. I mean, I think they did it with Bryson a few years back. Uh, I think it was the in Dubai, maybe. Um, he was mic'd up, and it was, and he was talking about air density and all that shit. And that was so good. That was absolutely fantastic to listen to. And you kind of went, "Wow, okay, this is this is Bryson, the the scientist, which everyone talks about, but you don't actually realise it." 
Um, so I think it's giving that access, which is going to be um, integral to to the PGA Tour. That's probably specifically to the PGA Tour. Moving forward, I think it's going to be very, very important for their broadcast and their broadcast numbers and their, their online content. Number four, Drudes, for me. Uh, and and you know, this probably it might rate number four on my list, but it might be right up there alongside an Australian winning a major, and that is uh, for Team Europe to retain the Ryder Cup <laughs> on American soil. Yeah, that'd be huge. So traditionally in the last couple of Ryder Cups, uh, there's been an overwhelming home team advantage. The, the trophy and the cup itself has swapped hands based purely on the geographical location of the tournament. We head back to the States. Uh, Whistling Straits in Wisconsin is hosting uh, the 2020 Ryder Cup in September. And I think this is Team Europe's best chance in recent memory of winning away from home. And I would love to see it. Because as I said, unashamedly in team golf, irrespective of the tournament, I am uh, anyone who's playing the US. That's who has my allegiance. And that win last year, in the end, I mean, it was close up until the final day and a number of the singles fixtures took it away from the Americans. The The scoreboard probably didn't represent the true contest, but it was a bit of a bit of a one-sided event by the end of it, if you're just looking at the scoreboard. So I'd, lo- I'd love to see a tight contest, and, and it will promise to be that. If Europe is to win, they won't win by much at all because it's away from home. But I would love to see Team Europe take home the 2020 Ryder Cup on American soil. It'd be huge. It'd be, it'd be absolutely massive for, for European golf to win on the US soil. Absolutely. Don't absolutely. think you can understate that enough. Number four for me, Rambo wins the Masters. Johnny Ram. So that gives me my uh, my tip correct, obviously. So that's why that's on there. But um, <laughs> selfishly, but um, no, I, I would love to see John Ram win the Masters um, or, or even any major, to be honest, because he has been so consistent across every PGA Tour event that he's played. He's been so good. Um, obviously, playing on the European Tour, he won that uh, the race to Dubai. Obviously, last week I think it was on on last week's episode we were talking about that. But but he's never he's never won a major, and I know he's only very very young. But if if we're going to put him in the category of you know this next generation of golfers around you, your your Jordan Spieths and the likes, Rambo needs to step up and and take a. Um, you know, take a major by the horns and it's been very bloody hard of late since Rambo came onto the scene because Brooks Kepka just wins them all. Um, so there's no doubt that it's, it's very difficult, but I'd like to see him win the masters first and foremost, if not a, uh, a another major. Yeah, it would be good for John. Good for the pod Drudes, to be honest, because John Rams <laughs> yeah, share a voice right. on the 19th tee. Um, <laughs> Has been large comparatively to most players, but you know we're unapologetic in our love for the the big Spaniard uh, from the Baltic north of of Spain. And 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 if you go off his recent form, if you go off statistics alone, all roads lead to a major. Mm. All roads lead to this year being the breakthrough. Whether that's one, whether it's more than one, it'd be great to see as well. But yeah, I mean we, we've spoken a number of times about how well the Masters sets up for him uh, from from a course perspective on Augusta National. I think he has the game to win there. Uh, the temperament has always been a question for John Rahm, particularly yeah. when things aren't going his way. He's, he's struggled to keep the emotions in check, but he seems to have 
certainly done a lot of work on that, embedded that. And I think that will be important because there's a massive difference between um, the pressure cooker of a final few holes in a PGA Tour event to that of a Masters if you're either in the lead or, or not far from it. So a few things for him to juggle, but I think it's looking promising for a breakthrough for Johnny Rahman. And we would love that here on, on the 19th tee. That we would. Drew, Number fifth five. and final. Yes, fifth and final for me. And, and I tried to think uh, a little left of field here because, you know, we, we always spruik the fact that um, here at the 19th tee, we talk all levels of golf from the PGA Tour down to the grassroots. And I think the grassroots is screaming out for some attention. And that's why my number five, in terms of things I'd like to see in 2020, is one big idea from Golf Australia. Just mm. one. Not asking for the game to be overhauled. I'd just like to see one big idea from Golf Australia focused on the future of the game in this country. So I took a little bit of a look today. Obviously, a change of hands at the very, very top. A new president as of August in 2019, uh, Andrew Newbold. He is an AFL commissioner. He is the former chairman and president of your club, the Hawthorne Football Club. He, he understands what it means to turn something on its head, to transform something in a big way. We need that leadership in golf. We need Golf Australia to come up with a big idea to really shake the foundations of the game and future-proof it, set it up for the next 30 to 40 years. Because right now, what we're getting is much of the same. And I don't know if, if it's just an echo chamber in Golf Australia. I don't know if they're talking to the right people. But if you keep going back to the well, the well will dry up, Drew, unless you try mm. something different. And we need, I think, one big idea from Golf Australia in 2020 that really shakes up the game. Yeah, and, and Andrew's a very, very good operator, obviously. Um, you know, having um, a, a certain, a, pr- a pretty good level of insight from, um, as, as a member of the Hawthorne Footy Club, you get to, um, yeah, you get a lot of communications that used to come from, um, you know, from the club. And he's a very good thinker. I think the, the challenge that Golf Australia has on their hands is, is the willingness to, to adapt and to change. And I think it's, you know, everything should be on the table. There should be nothing that's off the table here. Um, you know, because, because I, I do, I personally think the game is in a bit of trouble. There's not a lot of young guys that want to go out and play golf. They're more than happy to spend six hours playing cricket on a Saturday afternoon, but no one will go out and play four hours worth of golf. Um, so I think there's an image image problem around golf, and we touched on it with with Tony Wiebeck in, in our earlier episodes. But, you know, even the way that the next the next three weeks of golf is going to be so important in Australia, the way that we leverage the President's Cup and, and the Australian PGA and the Australian Open and these and some of the world's best players coming down here, we, it's going to be absolutely massive to, to getting um, participation numbers obviously growing, but growing at a sustainable level as well for the game. And, and people like Andrew have very, very good ideas, uh, but I think the willingness of PGA, uh, the willingness of Golf Australia needs to be there um, equally, if not more so than, than the ideas that Andrew and the creativity that Andrew is going to bring to the role. One big idea, Dreads. It's all it takes. Correct. One and, big uh, idea. And I reckon it's a great inclusion on your list. My last one is one that we have been banging on about for ages, as has everyone else. 
and it is that slow play is finally addressed by the PGA. Now, this is, I don't care what in what way they address it, as long as they come out and address it and don't give us some sort of little half-assed line like they gave us a week ago around, oh, we're going we're gonna to do it in April and, and we're not really going to tell you who's the slow players. The players themselves won't know. Just come out with, with what you're going to do to address it and, and what the penalties are going to be and who the slow players are. I don't, I don't care. Bit, bit similar to your one big idea, I want the one big idea about slow play from the PGA Tour because up until now, they have been, they've been woeful on it because it's, it, on, the, on the professional tours, it's probably the, the issue that's facing, uh, that's facing the sport. Yeah, look, Drew, as much as, I, as much as I'm reticent to continue to talk about it, what can't be avoided is that very last point that you made then. It's the issue. It's all yeah. anyone is talking about. Correct. It is the, is the hotbed uh, and, and biggest ticket issue in professional golf at the moment. And I think that's what makes the PGA Tour's inability to act so alarming is that this is the biggest thing on your plate. Mm. This is it. You know, there are other issues. There's no doubt. Golf is a, is a far from perfect game as much as we all love it. There are things that need to be addressed, but there's no bigger issue than this. It hasn't snuck up on you. It didn't start last week. It's been around for the best part of 2019. People have been talking about it. And you've done nothing. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah, I, like as I said, I, we, we continue to go around in circles on this, but for good reason, because it's something that, that, that is ever present in the game. That's where we're at with the PGA Tour's handling of, of slow, slow play or lack thereof. But I, I think um, certainly worthy of inclusion in your top five. And hopefully we do see some movement on that in 2020. Just anything. Just anything. Speaking of movement, my friend, we, uh, we've made some goals for ourselves as we yep. flagged. And, and, and both seem to be centered around movement in the handicap. Uh, <laughs> Obviously. Closer to, closer to scratch than 25. Uh, we're, we're both working off not a... Not a fantastic start, but why don't why don't you kick off with uh, with your goals in terms of what your your, your big umbrella goal is and, and how you're going to get there? All right, here we go. Hashtag New Year, New Me. Mine is to get my handicap to twelve or lower. So it's currently at twenty point eight. I think the last time I checked. So I've got to be shaving eight, almost nine strokes off between now and this time next year. So. The way I'm going to get there, I'm obviously going to work on the um, the physical side of the game, I suppose, um, in, in hitting the ball and, and having more consistent uh, more consistency with, with all clubs. But I'm also going to work on the mental side of the game. I'm going to try and work on the physical side of things as far as I'm going to try and do a little bit more stretching um, uh, uh, and, and try and get a little bit more flexible because um, obviously they're very important parts of the, of the game as well. And I think the mental side of things is, is really important too. If you do have a couple of really crap holes back-to-back back or, or three or four or whatever, the, the ability to put them behind you and hit a good shot is it's not easy to do when you're, a, when you're only an amateur golfer and you're, you're just out for a Saturday. If you have three or four bad holes in a row, you kind of just you know throw the club and, and away you go and that kind of ruins your day. Um, so, so working on the mental side of things is, is going to be, um, an important, uh, uh, aspect for me, but from a actual ball, uh, striking and club hitting ball, uh, area, I'm going to focus more on trying to hit greens from around the 150, um, or lower sort of area. So 150 to, to maybe 80 meters, 
Um, I'm going to try to hit a lot more greens from that area so that I remove those um, little chips and, and bump and runs and all those uh, shots that, you know, uh, have a high degree of difficulty that really kind of um, can, can blow a hole up very quickly. So my main one is to get to uh, 12 or lower. I've obviously got a whole bunch of other ones around hitting eagles and birdies and different role, uh, different rounds and play interstate. So there's a few other little ones there. But, um, yeah, handicap to 12 or lower is where I'm at, KM. I'm going to be a little kinder to myself. <laughs> I've gone we're ambitious. St- we're starting, look, we're starting from essentially the same spot. So I'm sitting at, I'm sitting at 20.2 at present. I'm fairly confident and, and without wanting to sound in any way arrogant, I'm fairly confident I'm not a 20.2 golfer. But the problem that I have, Drudes, is the gap between my best golf and my worst golf uh, makes the Grand Canyon mm. look small. Yeah. It, it, it is just so frustrating that, that I know that I can play better than what I do if only I could consistently be playing my best golf. And yeah. I know that that sounds like a really trivial problem because, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. That's what everyone thinks when they're out in the golf course. But no, consistency is massive. Huge, huge, hugely important to improving your game quickly. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set myself a goal of 15 or lower. So I'm giving myself three more shots than you, um, but, but very specific in what the goals are. And it's three things that I think that are going to help me achieve that goal. First and foremost is more consistency off the tee. So right now, uh, you know, I'm entirely contingent on probably my first one or two tee shots of the day. If they're good, I'll have a good day. If they're not, uh, I'm probably chasing good shots. Uh, sorry, bad shots after after bad shots. Are you struggling and, with a slice? There is that that the problem there? Uh, more often than not, yes. But yep. don't get me wrong. I'm 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 not uh, you know I'm not averse to a snap hook here <laughs> and there. It, it's I As we all are. <laughs> it's the inconsistency droids off the tee that I'm I'm. I'm trying to eliminate and, and whether or not that, that is maybe slowing down the pace of the swing. I know that, you know, that, that, that the man in golf coaching at the moment that everyone talks about is, is big Georgie Gankus. And I yes. love George. I'd love to get him on the pod. He's, he sounds like a great chat and he's all about speed, but maybe that's my problem. Maybe I'm trying to be too fast. Maybe I need to slow it down a little bit, you know, just Correct. come back with myself. It's the one so, change I've made in my irons in the past month. Just slow it down. Yeah. Secondly is, yeah, increasing my efficiency out of the sand. It is undoubtedly my Achilles heel. I am terrible out of the bunker. <laughs> I could be having a relatively good round. I could be on track droids for, you know, maybe something in the late eighties, early nineties. And on the 16th hole, I go into a greenside bunker and I take five shots out of it. Yeah. I, like, I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. The sand is my Achilles and it blows rounds up for me. I'm talking like holes where I shoot nine or 10 because yep. I spend half of that in the sand. Yeah, and that you know, looking down at that on the scorecard, it's demoralising. Yeah, it, oh, it absolutely kills you, and and it's hard to come out of that in the next two to three holes. So, consistency out of the sand is something that's really important for me. And I think, lastly, this might even be uh, the most critical. It's course management. So, I I at my at my best can hit a good golf ball, but nowhere near often enough uh, or consistently enough do I think smart about mm. the way I'm playing a golf course. I'll take on shots that I've got no, like absolutely no, no 
duty to take on or no, no intention to take on or no real right to take on, to be honest. Mm. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try and bend the ball around corners. I'll try and carry a lake that I've got no duty carrying. I just silly decisions that mm. I know be, be more aware that yes, Kieran, you're still playing at 20.2. You might yeah. think you're playing at 12, but you're not be more aware of your ability, make smarter decisions. And I'll give you a prime example, Drew's. I, I heard it. I heard an interview with a coach probably way back at the beginning of 2019 that spoke about stop aiming at the pin on your approach shots, hit the center of the green yeah, and see what difference it makes. And it, it's made a huge difference for me. So I, I spoke about my worries off the tee. I spoke about my, um, my, my weaknesses in the sand. If I, if I go okay in both of those areas, I'm pretty confident from 150 meters in because I've made that one change of, of, of aiming, forgetting about where the flag is and aiming for the middle of the green because I'm fairly good with the putter in hand and I'm confident if I can hit the middle of the green, I can get home in two. And that, that, is, that in and of itself has made a huge difference for me in the last you know, eight to nine months. So just smart, you know, playing smart, course management, being a little bit um, more realistic about my ability as opposed to my ambitions. And I think that combined with finding some consistency off the tee and, and just being able to get out of the sand and maybe two shots, maybe we'll bring it down from four or five. Maybe you get out in two. That'd be incremental. Gains. That'd be really nice. And put me well on my way to reaching a goal of a handicap of 15. Or oh, I reckon you'll get there, mate. I reckon you get there easily. I reckon you'll go lower than that. Here's hoping. I mean, I, we spoke about this earlier today and, and I, I, I purposely gave myself a little GST in yeah. terms of, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've gone, I've gone the whole hog. I've gone on Australia knew, pre, we, pre John Howard with no GST. Yeah. I knew that we were putting this out into the ether. Yeah. I knew that we, we could and, and probably will be held accountable to these girls. So yeah. oh. I've built myself a little bit of a cushion, a little bit of a, a foul, a foul. For error. That's right, mate. You are, you are, you are Icarus on this podcast. You fly high, my friend, and sometimes it works and sometimes you, you burn to the ground. But yeah. hey, I'm, I'm always right behind you, mate. Respect Thanks, what mate. happens. <laughs> Look, mate, that probably wraps us up for this week. It does. Yeah. Jeez, we spoke a lot <laughs> of shit we... for when there wasn't much going on. <laughs> Cross. We thought we could punch that out in 30, 35 minutes. Yeah, I reckon we're again, over an hour again. <laughs> once again, we punched it, up, uh, punched it up north of the 50-odd minutes. My so. apologies to everyone who's... Stuck with us for all that time, but look, it's been a good bit of fun, mate. What well, better content? Obviously, everyone wants to hear about what you and I are doing in terms of goals. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> glued to it, I would have thought. Well, Obviously, know, I, I can't can't turn this off until I hear about what Marshy and Drews want to get their handicapped down. <laughs> it's engaging stuff. Uh, it's been it's been good, Drews. Start now. Uh, I am heading. I'm heading west. You are. Week. It'll be nice to see you in the flesh, my friend. Yes. It'll be nice to share a beer. Yes, uh, we, we're hoping we might be able to to record a uh, record an episode side by side. That'd be nice. Uh, but we'll just have to wait and see logistically if that works. At a bare minimum, we'll sit down for a skewy or two. We look forward to bringing the insights, particularly from Royal Melbourne and your experience there to our listeners. Uh, and until then, my friend, uh, we we will we will see each other and speak to each other soon. But to all our listeners on the nineteenth tee, a very big thank you for joining us for another week of golf without the jacket and tie. Don't forget to uh, rate and subscribe to us on Apple and Spotify. Uh, follow us on the socials at the 19th T podcast. On Facebook now. We oh, forgot we to bloody mention that. Dudes. We forgot to mention we're on bloody Facing. Facebook. Yes, get on get on Facebook. We're on there. That's going great guns. Um, yeah, get around it. It's got, we have got a few hundred likes. To, yeah, we've decided to kneel at the altar of Zuckerberg. Yeah. Um, we're, not, we're not after your data. Don't no. stress. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's not enough of you liking it in the present to be honest to wouldn't, be after your data. Wouldn't know how to get that anyway. <laughs> no, no, no. We just uh, we're slowly building that to, uh, you know, hopefully sell it off to Google one day. Who knows? That'll be nice we're one day. Cash somehow. But look, yeah, jump on, jump on Facebook, jump on Instagram, jump on Twitter. Uh, we're there on all the socials, as I said, Apple and Spotify at the 19C podcast. Rate and subscribe. Droids, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yes, great, Ed, mate. Enjoyed that one. Speak to you next week. Look forward to seeing you in the flesh over there in the beautiful West. Yes. Uh, And to all our listeners, thanks again for your company as always. Until next time, head down, swing hard.